You are listening to episode four of the Bass Guitar Worship Blender podcast. Welcome to the Bass Guitar Worship Blender Podcast. You're listening to a busy episode. We've got three segments for you. Each one is loaded with some good information. The first segment is on using plugins on the platform. So instead of using a bass guitar amplifier or a preamp or some large pedal board, it's actually about instead just running everything through your computer using plugins. The second segment will be on using a metronome or a click track on the platform. And then finally, we've got a little bit of a Bible study, a little bit of Jesus we're throwing in on the uh, on the podcast. So we'll be doing a little bit of discussion about Romans. So let's get started. Our main segment, using plugins on the platform. A lot of people are using in-ears now. They're not using amplifiers on the platform. A lot of people are going direct into the system. That's actually how we do it at our church because we're not allowed to have amplifiers on the platform, so we're kind of forced into that. Um, So if you're going direct, then usually you're going to have something to kind of juice up the signal so you're not just going direct into a direct box. You're, you know, using a preamp or something of that nature. For the last uh, six years or so, well, since I started playing the platform six years ago, uh, I actually, so I didn't just go direct into the uh, direct box. I got a one of those Zoom B3s and uh, had a lot of success with that. Actually, it's still on the platform now and still used. And... Um, That's kind of what I've been using for my preamp for the last six years up until about mid last year. And then I actually started using plugins. And I don't hear too much about people using plugins for bass on the platform. Of you know, you a lot of people use them for for keyboards and you know, triggering sounds and stuff. Um, I actually was using uh, keyboard plugins and and I didn't really think to really use plugins on the platform till about mid last year and how it kind of all came about was is I was <laughs> I was very happy with the B3. I've been using it for a long time, and it's a good affordable unit. It does a whole bunch of stuff all in all all together as one unit. You don't have to have multiple, uh, you know, things all plugged up and everything. You just plug one unit in, and you're good to go. Um, but still, there's you know, we're uh, as human beings, we have that desire to to own more things, and um, you see all these. Those uh, people out there that have these big pedal boards and they're using all kinds of cool stuff and and you just start getting seduced by all that equipment and thinking, wow, you know, there seems to be something missing with my sound if I could just maybe, oh yeah, if I got this preamp and this compressor, that might make it sound better and ooh, this overdrive over here looks kind of interesting, so... I was actually doing a lot of research to see about actually expanding uh, my pedal board on the platform from just being the Zoom B3 multi-effects unit to having a full-on, you know, multiple pedal board made up of three or four different devices. And the more and more I was researching and 
started thinking about it, it's like, man, this could get really expensive. I mean, some of the things I was looking at, the Noble preamp is definitely really cool and something I'm interested in, but that's like a thousand bucks. Um, Aguilar's tone hammer, you know, that's over 200 bucks there. And that's just a preamp. Then you've got the, the dark glass stuff, which has a lot of cool stuff. But, um, again, you're looking about three, $400 for a unit there. Then there's the, the, uh, I forget the name of it, but, uh, the noisemaker, uh, cabinet simulator that looks really cool but that's like i don't remember the price but around 300 bucks or so so you start adding all the stuff to, up together next thing you know you've got like a grand two thousand dollars uh in a pedal board and then you've got the whole deal of a big mess on the platform with all these different pedals all these different power supplies and cables and everything else and it's taken up all the space on the platform which i have a limited space where uh where i stand because i'm actually up on a riser and so i only have a limited amount of space already so i just started thinking what if there's another way and i started thinking about the fact well i've got my laptop which i already pretty much take to church a lot anyway and i also use the laptop with plugins for the occasional times when i play synth bass so why not look into uh plugins for the bass and so i you know i know that there had been the uh, amplitude uh ampeg uh bass plugin i remember that came out a few years ago and i had some interest in it for studio recording and so i thought well let me look back into that i checked it out uh, downloaded the demo and, and was floored by it. Really loved it. Um, also, the the uh, Overloud has has the Mark Bass emulator uh, plugin. So I downloaded the demo on that. Really liked that as well. I thought I might be able to use these for uh, for a church. And so I already had, of course, the you know an audio interface for my computer. I had a little. I've got a little. Pre, a PreSonus audio box. Um, it's small, fits in my laptop bag. So just uh, decided to try it one day at church, and and it sounded really great. Um, and actually, through the uh, system, it actually sounded, I mean, when I'm monitoring it within years, it sounds like an actual, like I'm playing through a bass amp and really does give me that sound that I've always kind of been, even though I've been really happy with the Zoom, um, it's just taken my sound to a, I think to a better level, especially on the jazz bass that I play, the the passive jazz bass, which always I struggle to kind of get a good sound through the the B3 on that. The the music mans they tend to to do better with the the B3, uh, but definitely with the jazz bass, I, I really feel a good improvement when playing with the plugins. And so again, I'm using the mostly right now on the platform, even though I have both the uh, the Overloud Mark Bass plugin and the Amplitude Ampeg. I've pretty much mostly been playing with the Ampeg lately. I uh, should probably experiment a little bit more with the Overloud one, but just uh, haven't had a chance. And uh, you kind of stick with what works, and you kind of just slowly make changes when you're on the platform i at some point during a rehearsal i just needed to take the time and, and play around with some different sounds but been real happy with the amplitude and the got the and here's the little trick too is um when you're looking at the all of the hardware gear and how much that can cost i'd mentioned it could be a thousand two grand you could easily spend on setting up a hardware plug-in or hardware uh, pedal board 
Whereas with the uh, plugins, if you're if you pay attention to the different uh, sales that they have, like especially you know Black Friday, obviously is one that's it that where you can save a ton of money. But there's also sales in the summer and different seasonal things and special stuff like that. So if you kind of pay attention, you can you can a lot of times get these plugins at half off. So I uh, probably with the Overloud and the Amplitude plugins, I probably have spent a total of about $150 on them. Um, Amplitude, the Ampeg actually has two versions of their Ampeg plugins. Um, one of them has three groups of amps. The other has another three groups of amps. And I went ahead and bought bought both of those collect or the whole collection that has b- both of those plugins. So that's about half price uh, if I was to pay for all of those things that if they weren't on sale. Uh, so you can you can save a lot of money and get a real amp sound if you know if you're already if you already got a laptop, you've already got an audio box, then 100 200 bucks you've got yourself a whole new amplifier or a whole series of amplifiers that you can pick from from the software run it through your computer and now you've got an amp on stage um, at least that's what it sounds like coming through your your headphones or through your in-ears so if you're already using a laptop for music production and you've got an audio interface then looking into plugins is definitely a very affordable way to go. It's a lot easier. I mean, I was thinking, well, I don't want to use computers because then you're dealing with that breakout audio box. You got to bring that to church with you along with the laptop. And really, it's it's not that big of a deal because you got a laptop, you got the power cord for the laptop. I've got a USB cord to the USB audio interface, and it's a small little tiny interface. It's not a big one. And that's it. And then the my cable from my base. And so it's not much to uh, to actually carry around, and it's a lot smaller of a setup than if I was to have some big pedal board with four or five different units and, and all the cables that go with that. So it's really a pretty easy system to, to carry around. And also, since it's software, it's replaceable. So something bad happens to my laptop or I lose it or it gets stolen, then I've still got access to all those plugins in the cloud. And all I have to do is download them to a, a new computer so just in, in my opinion, it just seems to be a, an easier setup than having the big setup. And it can save you a lot of money from not having to buy a lot of pedals and having more stuff you got to deal with if you just have plugins. And so the software plugin, I really think is a great solution that I don't, I again, I don't see a lot of people uh, online talking about using plugins for their bass. And the the main concern I had was that, well, okay, the computer is going to be, anytime you deal with computers, you're not going to have a system that is reliable as hardware. And I, I would confess that that is legitimate. And even though I haven't had any problems yet on the platform, uh, it's... Uh, 
still a concern that, you know, okay, what happens if at some point the computer just completely crashes or dies or there's some kind of problem? But I've actually got a plan B. That's pretty cool. Um, since I have the, the Zoom B3 and it's still up on the platform because uh, I brought that in, um, I purchased it myself, but I just leave it at the church. And then the other bass players that rotate with me just plug into the B3 because they don't want to go direct and they don't have a, a preamp or anything or any kind of pedals. So they're happy for me to just leave that there. They can plug in the B3 and they can use it. So um, what I do when I show up to, to not disrupt anything for the sound guy or change anything around, what I do is I just do the, uh, the output from the audio box for, from the computer into the input of the B3, put that on bypass mode, and then my signal just runs through the B3 as just, uh, you know, just bypassed, and it goes it goes straight to the to the board. Then from there, so um, I'm still running into the B3, uh, so that if I if I had any kind of computer issues or problems like that, the B3's got a mute. I can just hit the mute button. I can unplug the the input or excuse me the the output from the computer unplug that and then just run the bass directly into the B3, unmute it, and then I'm off and running with the uh, with the B3 like I was before for many years. So I've got a backup system and um, I can also use the B3 even though the, the plugins have tuners. They've got built-in tuners, but the B3 tuner actually like a little better. It tracks a lot faster, so it's just a little quicker to tune with. And it's always in uh, tune mode when you're in the bypass mode, so um, it just is kind of handy. So I still go into the B3. That's my backup plan, and the B3 is pretty in a in, inexpensive. Um, so it, you could actually get, when I bought the B3 five or six years ago, six years ago, it was like 299 bucks. Now it's 199 Plus they've also got the more affordable one. I forget what's the name of it, the 60 something. Um, it's just a single uh, pedal board, uh, pedal unit. It's a hundred bucks. Um, so that would be great as a backup system if you just wanted to have, if you wanted to go computer, but you still wanted to have some kind of backup just in case, then you could just do what I do where you're running into the computer, out the computer, into the, the Zoom, put that on bypass mode, and then that continues on. Then if you have to, some way the computer crashes, you've got to get uh, get a have a backup system. Then you just you you mute the the zoom. You unplug the computer. You plug your base in, and you unmute the zoom, and then you're you're good to go. Obviously, you preset a few settings on the zoom so that you're ready for it. But uh, otherwise, that's a pretty cool setup. It's been working really well for me for about six months now. Okay, so what I'll do is I'll play you a track of uh, my base. Uh, using the plugin, obviously this isn't going to be live on the platform, um, but it'll just be a recording, so you can kind of get a, a, a you can kind of hear what the plugin sounds like. And these are just uh, rough demo tracks of a song that I'm recording, um, so don't judge it too much because it's nowhere near finished. Um, it's a worship song that I'm re-recording, a, a song uh, called. Uh, Gosh, what's, I just forgot the name of the song. The Whole Earth Sings. There we go. Um, it's called The Whole Earth Sings. I did not write it, just so you know, so don't 
attribute the uh, the songwriting to me, um, but uh, it is a, a remake that I'm doing. Um, so don't judge it too much. Like I said, these are just some rough tracks so you can hear the bass. What I'll do is I'll play now the the bass guitar uh, with the with the plug-in on, and this is the Ampeg uh, plug-in by Amplitude, or actually by IK Multimedia. Uh, it's a plug-in that goes into their, their Amplitude system. And it's the Ampeg, and it's got, by the way, the Ampeg plug-ins, like I said, there's two of them, and they cover all the classic SVT, Ampeg, uh, bass amps, the the B fifteen. It really it covers it covers everything. And the main the main amp that I've been using on the platform, and that I'm also using on this recording, it's actually the exact same uh, bass amp setup that I use on the platform. Is the Ampeg SVT four Pro. Uh, that's the one that I primarily use. I'll also play you uh, a couple of the other amps as well. And what's cool is you can you can mix and match uh, amps and cabinets, uh, different uh, pedals. You can you can basically it's got everything modeled, and you can you can mix and match as as you want. So it's it's really a, a nice setup. But here's what the uh, the plugin sounds like. Again, this is the SVT. 4 Pro, and here you go. Okay, so that was the that was the the song with the plug-in. I was just playing you a few sections of the song, and here it is without the without the plug-in on at all. This is this is basically me just turning off the plug-in and the bass dry as I recorded it into the system. So that's what it sounded like dry without the plug-in on. By the way, if you're wondering what bass I'm using for this recording, it's my jazz bass, American Standard, and it's just a straight-up passive American Standard bass, nothing special about it. Um, I have both pickups fully on and the tone knob completely off. Yes, I am that guy. Here is the B15 plugin. 
And here is the classic SVT plugin. Okay, and so here's a here's what the bass sounds like. Um, just picking one of the the bass setups from the Overloud Mark Bass plugin. So if you're looking to build out a pedal board for your bass and you're looking at a lot of equipment, but you already own a laptop and a USB audio interface, why not look into uh, maybe exploring the possibility of getting some plugins? And uh, going back to the computer, obviously not being as reliable as hardware, we also talked about having the backup solution that you can use just in case you do have a computer crash. In my case, I'm, I have the backup through the, the Zoom B3. But you can also, uh, there's some, a lot of good resources out there for, for, uh, for optimizing your computer. There's one uh, in now. In actually, I'm I totally didn't mention something else here. Um, the when I'm using the the plugins, they're actually standalone, so I don't have to open up a a, a recording software or a VST host of any kind in order to to play these plugins. All I do is I turn on my computer and I open up Amplitude and boom, I'm off and running. I don't have to I don't have to do anything else. So, I'm not running any other software that's going to bog down my system. So that's something that's cool to know. And that's the case with both both the Amplitude and with the Overloud Mark Bass collection is is both of those plugins do not require any kind of host. You can just do it in standalone mode. So when it comes to optimizing your computer, you don't have to worry about running a lot of software or anything else. And there's a there's a lot of good information out there about optimizing your computer. One of the ones I wanted to point out, even though you don't need a VST host in order to, to run any of this software, I do have a VST host that I use when I just want to run uh, synth plugins. And I maybe I'm using one that doesn't that that can't run in standalone mode. Then I'll use a software that's called and I'm going to pronounce it wrong. It's either pronounced Cantable, Cantable, Cantable. I don't remember. I don't know. I looked it up. It says on their website how they pronounce the name, but I done forgot that. So it's uh, uh it looks like Cantable, Cantable. I don't know. But either way, it's a very good VST plugin for PC. I think it's kind of the PC equivalent of like main stage on, on Apple. 
But Cantable, 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 however you pronounce it, has a free version. It also has some paid versions that, of course, give you more more functionality. And it's good software. And they also uh, have good support. They've got a great manual out on how to optimize your computer on on their website for music. So if you want to optimize your computer for music, definitely recommend going to uh, their website, downloading that manual. It'll give you a lot of good insight on how to optimize your computer for audio recording or for live audio use in this case. Segment two, the controversy of click tracks. I'm always amazed whenever the topic of click tracks comes up as to how passionate people get about this topic, whether it's passionate for click tracks or passionate against. It's just a, it's a kind of surprising actually. And so I um, wanted to address that topic and give my thoughts on it. Now, me personally, I've been using a click track since I was a little kid. When I started playing the piano at nine years of age, my piano teacher made me get a, get a metronome. And so I spent a lot of time growing up with a click track or a metrodome providing the click track. And um, I, back in the day, it was the little back and forth click, 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 you know, and you you push the little weight up and down the, the little arm that went back and forth. And however far down you push the weight, the faster it would click. Uh, of course, then years later, then um, the little electronic metrodomes were just be a little battery powered device you turn on and you spin the wheel as to where you want the the uh, tempo to be. And then now I just I've got one on my iPad and it's just a, a free download. So, um, you know, I've been using ClickTrack all my life and it, it doesn't doesn't any you know whether a click track is on or, or off I still play the exact same way so it really doesn't matter to me um, in regards to using a click track in a live situation which I think is where most of the the passion for or against uh, comes into play with people now I'll admit in in a live situation I would probably prefer not to play with a click track it's just uh, I've got my sense of tempo is, is is very solid from years of playing with a with a metronome so i would just prefer not to to use a click track in a live situation it's just one less thing to 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 worry about not so much i mean i can i can stay to a click track fine but you start getting a band that's slightly off the click track and it starts drifting off and you're trying to stay with that click track and you know it, it just gets a little bit stressful um under those situations and then also you know at the end of the song you want to you want to slow the tempo down as you're coming to that big final note of the song and the band's trying to do that that uh that slow down and whoever's running the click track still has the click going and you're trying to get that click out of your head and think about okay i'm trying to hit with the drummer here as we're you know hitting that big finish on the song so yeah in a live situation ideally it's better not to play with one if your timing is solid in my opinion but at the same time there's a lot of benefits to playing live with a click track because it can keep you on tempo it can keep the whole band on tempo and um also if you're of course if you're playing to backing tracks you need to have something to keep you in sync with those backing tracks now i think most people that that have an issue with playing to a click track especially in a live situation 
are either people who are playing with other people who don't have a good sense of timing, so it makes it difficult for everyone, or they're just individuals that don't necessarily have good timing themselves, and the click track exposes that. Um, I really honestly believe that the people who, who struggle the most with playing to a click track are, are probably, and this is just my thought, so don't take this as gospel or get offended at me. I, I apologize, but I think most of the people that have a problem playing to a click track are the people who have the most trouble or most trouble listening to other people or who just simply don't want to listen to other people that they're playing with meaning they're they're kind of in their own little zone they're they're not really listening to what other musicians are doing they're just kind of doing their own thing and so the click track um, you've got to listen to the click track in order to be in sync with the click track so um, a lot of people just aren't in tune with with other things going on on the platform and so i think that's why a lot of people struggle with click tracks is because they have to think about something other than their own little noodling that they're doing so i know that's going to offend some people they're going to say whoa wait a minute here you're just offending people saying that they're you know not good at playing to a click track and it's because they're maybe prideful uh yeah maybe i'm exposing some stuff and i'm sorry and i, I apologize if i'm offending anyone but um, I think that's pretty much the case if we really, if we really honestly examine it. Now, I'm not saying that's a blanket statement for everyone, but that's just uh, that's just kind of my thought. Um, now, there's no, there's no, in my opinion, there's no excuse for not practicing to a metronome. Like I said, I've got a, a metronome on my iPad. I just, it's a free download. I got it from the, uh, you know, the App Store, free download, and I think I upgraded it for like a dollar to get some additional features and to take away the on-screen advertisements. So there's really no excuse if you've got a smartphone or a smart device or a tablet then you really don't have any excuse for not having a metronome because you can get one for free. And a metronome will only help you to get better with your timing. It's there's, I guarantee you there's not a single instance out there in the world where somebody said, you know, I used to have pretty good timing, but then I started practicing to a metronome and then it just went downhill. I just couldn't keep good timing after that. I mean, there's no instances of that. It's the, a metronome is, is pretty much the, uh, it's kind of like music 101. I mean, if you're going to take lessons with anyone, the first thing they're going to do is say, okay, get out your metronome and, and practice these scales or whatever. So, um, a metronome will only help you to get better. And a lot of people say, well, I've, I've gotten really good. I've, I used to practice to a metronome. My timing's really good now, so now I don't use one. That's a mistake, too, just as you could very easily say, yeah, I, I learned my scales years ago, and I practiced them, and so now I know them all, so I don't practice scales anymore. Well, you still should be practicing scales. You should, all the fundamental stuff you should always be going back to and working on. And, you know, continuing to practice to a metronome will continue to reinforce that good timing that you've now developed. It's a very good exercise in listening. And it, the metronome won't adjust to your mistakes. It's just going to keep on pounding away at its, at its beat um, regardless of whether you're playing to it or not. It's not going to listen to you. So it, 
forces you to listen to it because a lot of times if you have bad hab bad a lot of times if you have bad tempo um then sometimes other people will adjust to your bad tempo to kind of make up for them the you know the slowing down or speeding up that you did metronome won't do that it's going to force you to listen to it and whenever you can develop your listening skills that's a great thing you know, someone on a forum that I, I follow had mentioned something about a metronome and analogy between that and a, a grandfather clock that they uh, used to, I don't know if maybe their grandparents had or they used to listen to or maybe their family owned or whatever. And they see, they used to always constantly hear that clicking and how you're clicking, whatever you want to call it, the, the back and forth sound that the grandfather clock makes when it's counting off the seconds. Um, that that was kind of a soothing thing. And I can kind of relate to that because um, I had a uh, grandparents that had a grandfather clock as well. And so whenever we'd go and stay, you'd hear that, that clicking, uh, noise of the, of the clock. I don't know what to call it other than the clicking, the, the back and forth, the pendulum that swings back and forth. And it, it is soothing. And that also helps to establish a, um, a rhythm in your, in your head. You could also, you could literally, uh, since a lot of songs are in the tempo of 120, you could literally, you know, I can I could hear that that clicking of the of the clock in my head, and actually just double that, and boom, there you go, because it's you got sixty seconds, uh, sixty seconds per minute, so that's sixty beats per minute, and um, you just double that up, and you've got one hundred and twenty beats per minute. It kind of reminds me when uh, somebody used to say that. Of course, nobody has landlines anymore, but if you were to pick up a, a phone, you used to hear that. That noise um, before you actually started dialing. Um, somebody told me once that that was uh, A440, so you could actually tune a guitar to uh, to uh, uh, that that uh, sound you get when you pick up the telephone, an old telephone landline. Uh, I don't know how true that is, but uh, uh, I don't even know where I'm going with this. I'm just some uh, interesting stories that uh, about the uh, you know the grandfather clock and the tempo, and I just thought oh, that's a cool story. I'm I'm going to share that, and I have no idea where I'm going with that. But uh, um, but anyway, the I think it's just the you know indicating that you can instill certain rhythms in your head when you listen to them long enough. So the grandfather clock is a perfect example. You can always, you know, count those seconds and pretty much be on the money because you've heard it so often. And so now you know what 60 beats per minute is. You double that up. Now you know what 120 beats per minute is. So now if you got to do 110 beats per minute, you kind of know an approximation where that is to those two different uh, sets of uh, beat patterns. And a lot of people will say that, um, you know, hey, I like to push the beat when I'm when I'm playing or I like to kind of be on the backside of the beat, kind of maybe, you know, drag it a little, not drag the beat, but I mean, kind of play before ahead or behind the beat, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And completely understand that because there's times when I like to do that for certain songs, too. Um, and so I can understand that where you, if you're playing to a metrodome, um, you can kind of get a little bit of a kind of a flaming kind of feel or, or sound going on there. And that's understandable. Um, but I, I don't think that it's too much of a concern if, if you're, if you're the one playing as a bass player playing before, you know, ahead or behind the beat, 
um, probably not that big of a deal as long as your drummer is aware of that's what you're doing. And, and if he's staying on the beat, then you're probably not going to have too much of an issue with that. If the drummer's kind of pushing or pulling the beat, then yeah, I can see where that can, that can cause more of an issue with a metrodome. But I don't know if it's something that you need to worry too much about as long as you can compensate uh, in your brain while you're you're playing along to it um, because the metronome is only going through your headphones it's hopefully not going through the uh, the front of house so uh, you know the rest of the congregation's not hearing that so um, if you can practice and kind of get used to that then I don't foresee that being too big of a deal um, on the you know, speaking of the fact of, you know, you're, you're playing through your headphones, you got the metronome going, if you've got backing tracks going with that, then it's really a good idea to make sure you've got a plan B for when you get off that metronome. Um, worst case situation, if the person running the, the stems, if they've got a, if they've got a hit stop on the, on those tracks to stop them from playing, um, do you have enough of a band left over to, to fill out that song? Um, you know, how much of the, how much backing tracks are you actually using? Uh, obviously the more, tracks you're you backing tracks you're using to replace uh maybe missing band members on the platform then obviously the more noticeable that's going to be when you stop those stem tracks because everybody's completely off the tracks and you're just you know you're having a train wreck because the backing tracks are you know half a beat or two beats or a whole measure off from where the 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 rest of the band is so uh, make sure you, you've got some practice in where maybe at some point you're playing and then you just kind of randomly stop the stem tracks and, and figure out how it sounds at that point and how you're going to react and uh, what you're going to do in that particular situation. Because there might be a situation where the computer just crashes, you're completely on the metrodome and it just tanks and goes boom and not going to work anymore and you're stuck figuring out what to do so don't ever let yourself be surprised on the platform make sure you're you've got some some practice in of what will actually happen when the when the click track or the the stem tracks completely give out on you so anyway that's just those are just my thoughts on the click track again um you should be able to play the same whether whether you're playing to a click track or not. If you're practicing regularly to a click track, which again, I highly, highly, highly recommend because it's only going to make your timing better. It'll never make your timing worse. And if you're practicing regularly to a click track, you're going to have solid timing. And then if you're in a, a situation where on your platform, they, they say, hey, we're going to start using a click track now. You're like, hey, no problem. I've, I can do that. No sweat. Um, so use a metronome at home so that you're prepared to have good timing and also to be able to be uh, completely prepared if you ever have to play with a click track in a live situation. Our final segment, When in Romans, Have a Bible Study. In the first episode, I was talking about the uh, goals for this podcast. Is one was to stay on topic on the topic of bass guitar, <laughs> and uh, here I am, kind of getting a little bit off the topic of bass guitar. But it is the Worship Blender Bass Guitar mm-hmm. Podcast. So since it is a worship's in the name, mm-hmm. I thought it made sense to bring in a little bit of uh, Jesus. I thought that would be good. thought that would be okay, and I also thought I'd bring in my wife, who's uh, here uh, talking next to me. Say hello. Hello, everybody. 
This is my wife, Kristen, and you may also recognize her voice as the one that does the uh, voiceovers on the podcast or Mm -hmm. the little introductory pieces that uh, I have her do for me. Thank you. Mm -hmm. And um, my wife does a Bible study, and she's very good at teaching and uh, has been doing that for years, and you're actually a... A uh, ordained minister, so mm-hmm. you have some 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 credibility, little credibility, little credibility. <laughs> so, um, so I thought, hey, why not just you know spend you know even if it's just five minutes, ten minutes, or whatever, just a short little mm-hmm. uh, amount of time, just to talk mm-hmm. to us about what you're doing in your current study. It's a, it's a women's Bible study, mm-hmm. right? Yes, it is. And uh, just kind of tell us a little bit about this is a new Bible study because you mm-hmm. had a previous one before. And now this is a new one that you've uh, started up. So I guess just tell us first, um, why have a group Bible study? Well, first and foremost, I mean, obviously scripture says that we need to be in the word. We need to be learning about the word. We need to be learning about who Christ is and how to live like him. But I have a real burden for those who are brand new to the Bible. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of them are like, where do I start? What does this mean? I don't even understand what I'm reading. And so for me, I believe one of the main points of gathering people together to study the Bible is helping one another fully understand with the help of the Holy Spirit and hopefully the wisdom of somebody who's been doing this a little bit longer than you. Um, what is scripture actually trying to say to me and how do I live that out in my life and making it a very safe environment where people can share, where people can learn and wrestle with difficult topics, especially if they become a follower of Christ later in life. Uh, there's just a lot that they have to tackle in their reasoning that won't always match up with where their spirit is um, resonating with truth. And so giving them those safe environments to really work those things through by learning how others did it and for the support and encouragement. So I believe groups like that um, help one another be the iron that sharpens iron, like Scripture says. Right, cool. And now this is this is a new Bible study, and, and it's for the newer people who are newer to the faith. Correct. And the first... Bible study that you're doing is the book of Romans. So why Romans first? (laughs) Yeah, it probably shocks people a little bit. Um, Mm -hmm. Mainly, uh, I give my groups two options generally. I like to ask them, what is it that you really want to know about what it means to be a Christian? And I think most people obviously become a Christian because they have an opportunity to experience Christ and his love for them. So they already know Christ loves them, but they don't always know what they've signed up for. They get, I'm a sinner. I need Jesus Christ. He died for me and woohoo, I'm going to heaven someday, but they don't always understand what it is that they've actually done. And so the book of Romans really gives a great basic theology, but it juxtaposes it against the actual historical city. The context is the city of Romans Mm -hmm. at that time, which is a very powerful city, which actually looks a lot like cities in America and cities around the world. And so there's things that you can learn from the context and the history of how Paul is writing this and how we view basic theology in that type of culture. So the first half of Romans is learning that theology. And the second half of that book is learning how to live it out in your culture, but also individually. Very cool. So um, what would you say is the best takeaway that your group has gotten from Romans so far? (laughs) I would say uh, with 
any group that I've done this with. I mean, obviously this group has only been together a few weeks, um, but I always like getting into the topic of sin and mm-hmm. what is sin what is it and why do we need to be saved from it? And I think one of the biggest takeaways that groups get when we are studying uh, those first few passages in Romans um, is that they understand that all sin is equal. There's a passage, and I I can't pull it right off the top of my head. I'm pretty sure it's chapter 3, where Paul lists all different types of sin. Mm -hmm. And he puts things like pride next to murder. He puts envy next to stealing. All of these things that we think some sins are worse than other sins, and the people that commit murder are worse than me if I'm full of pride or I lie. And I love when Scripture completely levels that playing field. And I say to them, me, who has been a Christian for 48 years, you've been a Christian for six months. I am not a better person than you. My sin and your sin are completely equal. And these may be women who have come out of addictions or have had some real serious issues in their life. And for the first time, they do not feel judged because they understand that if all sin is equal, why does sin in the church feel like it's a hierarchy and it's the consequences that make sin feel like a hierarchy. And so when these women get into that and they realize, wow, if I murder somebody, those consequences are very far reaching and very damaging. But if I'm just full of pride I may injure somebody, I may lose a friend, and those don't feel as bad because the consequences don't feel as bad. But in God's eyes, pride is no different than murder. Sin is sin, and it all has to be dealt with the same way, and that's by faith in Christ and what he's done for us. Yeah, and it's funny, I before we talked, I kind of pulled up the main... Uh, scripture from from Romans that I kind of highlighted that I kind of had a feeling that you would probably kind of you would talk mm-hmm. about you know obviously mm-hmm. with sin with Romans but uh, it's uh, Romans six twenty three for the wages of sin mm-hmm. is death mm-hmm. but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord so mm-hmm. uh, yeah it's uh, it it's, Romans is such a such a great book and and there's so much wisdom there and so I just thank you for for sharing what what you're doing mm-hmm. with that group and mm-hmm. and uh, how you're helping to uh, spread the uh, the kingdom around and and uh, just thank you for that. So that's another episode of the Bass Guitar Worship Blender podcast. Thank you so much for listening. If you like what you heard, then definitely subscribe to this podcast. We also have a Facebook account, which uh, I have to admit, we haven't uh, been really doing too much posting to. So there's like one or two people out there that uh, that uh, have actually have actually liked the uh, page. And uh, I want to make sure that those people haven't liked the page in vain. So we will definitely start getting some posts on the Facebook page, start getting that active. So check us out at facebook.com forward slash bass guitar worship blender. And uh, we'll start being busier there. I would like to thank my wife for her joining me on this podcast 
podcast doing the uh, the Bible study overview. That was a lot of fun, and uh, I hope you got something out of that. And we uh, well, we hope to see you next time.